Hey team. Hey, I'm grateful uh, that you're here. Hopefully you have filled up on coffee and snacks and you didn't get rained on this afternoon. Um, I am grateful you're here. I'm glad that we didn't scare you off um, <laughs> after last week. Um, so if you're like me, uh, if you're like me, you walked out last week, um, like re-centered. You were like pumped. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do the hard work this week. Um, and like the first few interactions, like the difficult interactions I had with my children, like I was like, I held the line. I spoke the truth, handled it with grace. I was like, yes, you and me, Jesus, we're going to do this. But then how many of you had at least one moment this week where your kids lost their mind and it was hard for you not to lose your mind as well? And it just like broke everything. And you're like, Jesus, I got to do this every day. Like this is, uh, we had some hard, Gabby and I, we had some hard moments this week. Um, Coming out of this class, you know, we, I, we, we came out of the class and we just ran into some stuff this week. It was like, man, what in the world? Like, that wasn't how this was supposed to go. Um, and Kristen Chabot and I were talking about that this week. Uh, she had a few of those moments as well. Like, I'm sure the rest of us did because we're all normal. Um, and we were talking about this. I think there's two reasons why um, we saw this maybe happen this week where we had some maybe extra challenges <laughs> maybe with our, with our kiddos. Uh, one... Uh, we were hyper-sensitized uh, maybe to, to conflict, right? So we're coming out of last week. We get into a situation. It's like, oh, yeah, this is what we're talking about. i got to kind of zone in here and do the thing. Um, that's the first reason. And then the second reason that we were talking about, uh, we have a real enemy. We have a real enemy who hates every bit of who you are and what you are aiming to do with your kids. Uh, he hates it, um, and he's going to do everything he can to throw that off. And so keep on keeping on. Let me encourage you. Keep on keeping on. This isn't for perfect people. You are not going to have it all figured out. Um, the next 10, 12, 18 years will be a work in progress. Always. But that's okay. Draw on the power of the gospel. Lean, lean on your church community. Lean on these people. Trust in God's grace as we walk through the brokenness of sin. Okay? We're walking through that. And the beauty then of God's redemption through it. So hang in there. Good work. We're one week in. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, tonight, uh, we're going to be talking more about the mission of family discipleship. Our kids director, Vonda Snow, many of you know her. She's going to come and teach us tonight. Um, but the mission of family discipleship and the implications that it can then uh, have for your family. And then beyond that um, as well. This is a step past owning the gospel that we talked about last week. Um, so we are, we are recognizing <clears throat> the time-sensitive need um, of seeing a vision for what family discipleship uh, could look like. So again, Vonda's going to be teaching uh, tonight. We're going to have some more discussion time at your tables. Um, we're going to look at some more resources as well. And then we're going to end our time with some intentional uh, prayer. I'm excited about that uh, piece as well. So um, for the next 10 minutes, we're actually going to start with some discussion uh, tonight. So for the next 10 minutes, uh, there are going to be a couple questions on the screen um, and then again, don't forget that there's a number down there as well. If you would have a question or something that you would want us to address or talk about or something you want clarified, there's a number that you can uh, text that question to, and we will get that uh, later later this week. So Matt's going to throw those questions up. We're going to jump into our first bit of discussion. Ready? Go for it. All right. Lots of good discussion. I love seeing that. My name is Vonda Snow. I am your children's director here at Summit Church, and I really count it a privilege to be able to minister to your children. Uh, Ellen and I take it very seriously, um, the spiritual formation of your children, and we 
pray together and we, uh, we, we seek the Lord's face so we can teach your children who God is in every story of the Bible. That is our goal in Summit Kids. And I don't come to you just as a children's director. I come to you as a parent. I have two uh, boys I'm super proud of. They're 21, they're 25. And uh, I think the Lord has shown me some things throughout the years. I haven't done it perfectly, but I hope that I can bring that wisdom to the table tonight. Um, They're kids that I intentionally raised to, to follow Christ. And I remember I would be in Walmart or wherever, and they would be in the cart, and people would stop me, and they would say, how do you do that? And I would say, it's intentional. I've done it since birth. Like, is it too late for me? Nope, it's not too late for you. And tonight, I want you to know that no matter where you are, how old your kids are, it's never too late to start discipling your children. Let's pray before we get started tonight. Lord, thank you so much for you being our Father and how you love us with a love that is unconditional. Lord, you made us, you created us, and you have a purpose for us. And Lord, we pray that tonight as we listen to your purpose for us in raising our children to follow you, that our hearts would be set afire, that we would gain some new, maybe some fresh perspectives, um, not from just my words, but from you, Father, and from the people at our tables. Maybe there's something that someone says to us tonight that's going to spark uh, an idea, something that we can try. And Lord, we thank you for that. In your name, amen. I want you to know that I do see your hard work. When I see your kids, I know you're working hard. So I'm not here to scold you tonight. I'm here to encourage you. I'm here to lift you up. I'm here to show you that you're doing a good job, but there's so much more that we could be doing. I am going to uh, put my glasses on because I'm old, so I'll need some <laughs> of my notes here. Uh, I was in kindergarten, and this is going to date me, but um, I'm going to take mandatory naps. I know, rough life, right? And uh, I would get my little pink and white striped mat out, and I'd lay it on the, the hard floor of the, of the classroom. And I wasn't sad, but I'd have, like, little tears in my eyes. And my teacher noticed, and she said to me, are you sad? And I was really, really shy. Like, no, I'm not sad. Are you sick? No. She couldn't get it out of me. So she called my parents, and she said, can you find out what's going on? Well, that night at supper, my dad uh, said to me, Vonda, there's a little girl in your class that your teacher told us about. And during nap time, she's, she's not sad, but she's crying to herself. Do you know anything about that? And I thought he'd be surprised, but what's me, you know? <laughs> and he said, well, why are, you, why are you crying? Skipping a beat, I said, because I don't know what to pray for. He realized what was happening. You see, I grew up in a pastor's home, and in a pastor's home, a lot of times you will get a phone call throughout the day and ask you to pray for something. And my parents, they didn't go too deep with me, but they gave me something I could pray for. And then I would watch my parents kneel down at the olive green 70s couch in my living room, and they would pray heaven down. I would see lives changed. I would see people healed. And you know what? 
I was missing out on that action and I didn't like it. <laughs> it's making me sad. So my dad said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you something to pray for every morning at breakfast before you go to kindergarten. My parents were modeling what it was to be a follower of Christ. Just something little, something ordinary. But it meant a lot to me. And I have learned to take that same principle and teach it to my children. Now, you know, my parents weren't always perfect. But right here in front of you, this isn't just a product of my education. I'm a product of my parents. I'm here. I love ministry. I love your kids because I watch my parents love on the people in their congregation, love on the kids in my church. And that's where I got my love of ministry, not from a book, not from a college. And that's what I want to impart to you today. How can we have our children have that kind of faith? Now, I surely have made mistakes over the years, and I, I, I know that God has, uh, you know, shown me new things, but I know that he has been showing me how to live for him, and I've been teaching my children. So in 3 John 4, 7, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth, and that is so true in my life. Remember this. You are not called to produce successful, upward, mobile, highly educated, talented athletes. Giving your child great opportunities, that is good. It is not, however, the goal of parenting. Christ-likeness is. Above all, seek to raise children who look and act a lot like Jesus. So our main purpose in our homes is to make an eternal deposit in our children. Family discipleship is passing down everything you have learned about Christ, about following Christ to your children. You are passing down your experiences to them, how God has worked through you. My parents saw God work in their parents' lives through prayer, and they knew that, and they passed it on to me. Family discipleship is, here is the clearest, simplest little definition. It is simply leading your family to follow, be, be followers of Jesus Christ. Now, effective discipleship includes these two things. It includes being intentional and consistent. I can't emphasize that enough. Intentional and consistent. And you need to have clear goals where you want your children to go, how they can be conformed to the image of Christ. Family discipleship is the charge to realign our priorities and to acknowledge that the spiritual growth of our children needs to be the driving force in our family's life. Everything else must come under the umbrella of spiritual formation. And making disciples at home is not one more thing 
to put on your to-do list. That is not what we're trying to tell you. This. We want you to see that this is not something you're going to be scheduling extra on your calendar. Well, maybe some things, but mostly it's just putting these practices into your everyday life. It is the main mission. It is the calling through which everything else is filtered. Now, this world is full of distractions, and it is full of lies that try to pull us away from all those things. 1 Timothy 4.8 says this, For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Very encompassing there. There's no, no room for wiggle there. Holding promise, look at this, holding promise for both the present life right now, it has benefits for now, and it definitely has benefits for the life to come. Family discipleship is mostly ordinary. Your family rhythm is everything that you do with your family, and your rhythm is what your family considers normal. Some of you are a little bit more normal than others, I'm going to tell you that. Each family is normal. It's going to vary for sure, and it will be based on your habits, your routines, the events in your life. For family discipleship to be sustainable, though, it should not be something that you add. Uh, it is something that needs to be woven through the fabric of your family's life. The, specific, the specifics of how we're going to tell you to do that, some great ideas for doing this, it's going to happen next week. So hang on. Checks and he's got some great ideas that we're going to be giving you next week. Here's some things that family discipleship is not. It is not a free-floating spiritual exploration. Family discipleship actively, you may not like this word, indoctrinates by teaching God's worldview that is laid out in Scripture and without giving in to the opposing opinions or even apologizing for the truth. The world, right now, and you see it and I see it, they love the idea that our children should be able to choose for themselves what is truth. This is nothing but deception. When we do that, it's basically like letting our children drift through the desert, hoping that they find the narrow path to God. There's another thing family discipleship is not. It is not the manipulation of our children's behavior. A well-behaved child and a discipled child are not necessarily the same thing. Scripture does say a lot about obedience, right? Children, obey your parents. If you love me, you will obey me. But discipleship in your family, the goal is not behavior modification. I know sometimes that's what we would like it to be, right? But that is not what it is. Here's why. Because we want our children to obey God because they love him and they want to show God how much they love 
him. We put a lot of rules on our kids, and that's fine. We, that we need those in our homes, those guidelines. But what you really want your children to know when they leave you is that they can govern themselves because their obedience doesn't come from you. Their obedience comes because they love God with their whole heart. The greatest benefit of family discipleship is that it aligns our life with God's truth. You have to be aligned with God's truth if you are going to disciple your children. You're going to have to know what God's truth is, and you have to search it out for yourself. A lot of what Chalk was talking about last week with owning the gospel. So it forces us to align ourselves with God's truth, and it lets us experience the supremacy of God. The world is going to try very, very hard to push against us with all, of, all their might because they don't want a Christ-centered home. So here is what I want to say to you. The reality of the enemy's attack on Christian homes, that should be enough to make you want to do this more than anything. We have to counter. It's like a seesaw. And if they're always putting in their bit with our kids and, and our kids are hearing it and we're not weighing in, that's not going to bode well with our kids. They're going to listen to that whatever way is heavier. We need to make sure that our lives and our words are countering the world. Now, in Matthew 13, 33, would you go ahead and open up Matthew for me? Matthew 13, 33. And in this uh, is a parable. And this parable, um, Jesus was talking about yeast. And I know there are bakers in this room. I am not. Uh, I wish I was. But I'm always amazed when uh, a baker puts a little bit of yeast into the dough and what it does to the dough. And we can think of this kind of like uh, what discipleship is. We may not think what we're doing is taking much effect. But like the yeast that has a massive effect on its environment, what we do and teaching our children to follow Christ has a massive, massive effect on their life. You know, um, wouldn't it be um, just, I would love this, wouldn't it be amazing to see families raising their children together, that they are friends, and they are followers of Jesus collectively. Just think what kind of a movement that would be if we were all playing our part in raising our children to love God, love others, and to be disciplers of others, and we were bringing that together and we kept adding to that. What a movement that would be. Our world would be shaken up. Can you imagine the sin that would we would be released from. Can you imagine the world looking at us and going, what do they have? I want that. 
And it starts with discipleship. We could see the power of God transform lives and take a hold of the sin that we have. And it would set our homes, our communities, our nation, our world on a quest to love God. Now, since the beginning, God has had a clear connection between himself and the family. I'm going to turn to Deuteronomy 6. We referenced this last week, but I want to look at it again. The redemptive plan for humanity has always included parents. Adam and Eve, of course, God told them to fill the earth by uh, procreating Jesus. He was placed with parents, Mary and Joseph. Uh, And God has always had a big plan for parents. So in Deuteronomy 6, we find the Israelites, they are just about ready to enter the promised land. And during the 40 years that they were wandering, they had become uh, very intimate with God and very dependent on God. And they, uh, they were getting ready to, to go into a land that was flowing with milk and honey, but it was also flowing with idolatry. And um, Moses was concerned that the people were going to forget God. So let's read uh, Deuteronomy 6, let's go with 10 and 12 first. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat, and are satisfied. Be careful. Here's the warning. Do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt into the land of slavery. So they were, they had been facing being dependent on God, but now they weren't going to have to depend on God for the manna and the quail for their nourishment. They weren't going to have to depend on God to direct them by a a pillar of of fire at night and a cloud by day. They weren't going to have to depend on God to quench their thirst from a rock. They were going to have this beautiful land, and, and they were having the temptation to forget God. So this is what God told Moses to tell the Israelites. Look in four, uh, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord the one, Love the Lord with all, God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So here we see God's strategy. God's strategy to keep the Israelites focused on him was to activate the parents. Do you see that? It wasn't depending on the professional religious people. He didn't, he didn't give any instruction to them. He gave it all to the parents. The God chose parents in this scripture to repurpose ordinary moments, sitting, standing, laying, walking, to train children to love 
and obey God. Repurposing ordinary moments. You know, parents still are part of God's great strategy to direct the next generation to himself. Like parents before us, we are facing unique challenges, not like the Israelites, but challenges that we've had. We've, we've faced a, a pandemic. We have faced polarizing politics, um, racial injustices. And like the people before us, we are also in danger of forgetting about God. So raising up children to be disciples of God is just as important now as it was in the time of Moses. And you keep this in mind, though. If we're successful at raising up disciples of God, our children are going to be misunderstood by the world. Our children need to be learning to go out confidently with the Savior. They need to work more than just having head knowledge. Head knowledge is great. And we want them to have the Word of God in their heart. Teach it to them, yes. But it's going to take more than just that. They will need to have an unshakable relationship with God that gives them the fortitude to live differently than the world. And let me tell you this. An hour on Sunday morning isn't going to prepare your children to walk the way of Jesus in a world that's going the opposite direction. Ellen and I work hard, but we only have a limited amount of time with your children. The kind of formation that needs to happen needs to come through you, parents. Parents discipling your children in ordinary moments. Just think about the impact that you have on your children. We want you to know that we want to give you every tool. We will work with you. We will stand with you, and God will stand with you as well. But, parents, God has a strategy, and that strategy is to activate you. I want us to look at a couple of questions and I want you to go ahead and discuss those questions. You can pick one or two of these questions, and then um, I'll share some resources after that. So go ahead and look at the questions that are going to come in. <laughs> you can choose one or, or more than one, um, and then we'll, we'll start back in a couple minutes here. I want to share with you a couple of resources. Uh, I've kind of grouped them together. Um, so that you can see these. So I'm going to show us these on the, on the screen. Uh, th- when you look at family discipleship material, you're going to see two, two distinct camps. And one is theory. It's kind of what we've been doing the, these first two sessions. And the next sessions that we are doing are going to be more hands-on. Uh, applications, but uh, these are some great books right here that are more of the theory, the framework um, that I, I think you could uh, would love to read. Uh, they're just they they're refreshing, uh, and they give you just some framework to build everything else on. The other set of well, the next slide, um, these are more um, practical hands-on ideas. So these are not going to be your theory ones. If you need some ideas, these are some great ones. I want to highlight the sticky faith. That's kind of one that we've, you've probably heard 
kicked around. This one has some great, great ideas, um, over 100 real innovative ideas from little people through teenagers, um, just to keep uh, bringing Christ before your children so that when they leave your home, they stick to their faith. And so those are some good, good just uh, practical hands-on. Here's a next set is, this is for little tiny people. This is called, uh, these are um, big theology for little hearts. And it's never, never too early to start uh, into uh, teaching your kids uh, who God is, who Jesus is, who the Holy Spirit, uh, creation, the church, the gospel. And uh, I highly recommend those. I would, they're probably comparable to the ones that, that Pastor K uh, uh, Chuck showed you last week, the baby faith. They're very comparable to that. Okay, the next slide. Uh, this one is called Ages and Stages. We're going to talk a little bit more about this in our next talk here. And I actually have ordered each of your families one of these. Um, they will be in. They did not Amazon was late. So when they, when they come, I will be giving you uh, this. And what is lovely because it lays out each of the stages starting at birth uh, through uh, student. And it just gives you spiritual formation, um, benchmarks, and things that you can do to help their faith be developed. And then this is another series that I really love. I read, I would read this to, we actually, I'm not sure if you don't have an infant, you probably don't know this, but in our infant room, we have a book club. Yes, a book club and infants. And so we read to your infants, we, and we try to read scripture over them every Sunday. Each kid individually, we take in our lap and we read and these are some great books that are just scripture, that are wonderful books to read over your little ones. And one more set of books here. And uh, these are books that I would, these are a little bit older, um, probably elementary age. And they just, there's more books in this series that I could put up there, but it's a great series uh, that you, it's called the Good Book Series. And it has a lot of uh, issues things that kids may be asking at that age, some tough questions, and they're illustrated very beautifully. Uh, so these are some great books, and you can find all of these on Amazon. So I just want you to know that. All right, let's get started into our second teaching set. So, for better or for worse, parents are actually the most influential pastors of their children. Parents set kind of a glass ceiling of religious commitment above which their, children's, their children rarely rise. Is that, that is heavy, right? Your spiritual level, your children are looking at that. And I'm not saying they can't, I'm saying they couldn't break through that glass ceiling. But it isn't, it isn't a high likelihood so we're going to talk about spiritually leading a family. Family discipleship, of course, requires you to lead your family. And leading your family means that you are responsible to initiate and to cultivate a culture of discipleship. You model Christ-like behavior to your children, and then your children use that as their template. Remember my parents with their prayer life? 
They modeled that for me. And even though I didn't fully understand what was going on, I saw the template. I saw the benefits of that in their life. And I used it in my own life. Be imitators of me as I am in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.11. Rest assured, you are going to mess up. And you're going to see your kids sometimes mess up too. But when this happens, it's only an opportunity for you to demonstrate, to model repentance. That's a good thing. So the starting point for spiritual leadership begins by taking spiritual inventory of your family. If you owned a business, you'd want to know what you have in stock, right? And the same thing with your family. You are going to want to take a spiritual inventory of your, of your family. The greatest spiritual need, of course, for each member in your family is their need for salvation through Jesus Christ. But besides that good news of the gospel, we also need to be teaching the law of God because it teaches them the way to live. Before they have an experience with Christ, a personal relationship, they need to know the way to live. Because of original sin, children, their carnal nature, they do not naturally know how to live, think, or speak in a way that keeps God's commands. Children need to be guided away from influences that would not bring honor to God. Each child will vary, of course, in their response to this. Some will be a little more um, uh, questioned more. Um, more stubborn, more open, but no matter what, these two things, you're going to need grace. When we talked about before, you're going to need grace and consistency. They are the keys to bringing godly understanding to your children. Um, my mom said I was a very strong-willed child, but uh, she didn't want to break my spirit. And, uh, and that was... That was her motto. I'm so glad that she recognized that in me, and she used a lot of grace with me, and she was very consistent with me, and uh, I'm so grateful for that, and of course, my, and my father, too, and I know that um, we have some of those easy kids that we go, oh, I want to have more kids after that, and then you get that one, you go, mm, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking about. So your values and your beliefs and your behaviors, those three things, are the building blocks of family discipleship culture. Your values, your beliefs, and your behaviors. The way that you respond to sin and failure in your children and yourself, and the way you celebrate accomplishments and God-honoring behaviors determine the atmosphere and the identity of your home. I'm going to say that again, okay? The way that you respond to sin and failure, how you celebrate accomplishments and God-honoring behavior will determine the atmosphere and the identity of your home. Creating a family discipleship culture 
involves parents setting the tone for spiritual training, fostering a culture of discipleship makes godly training important and normal in your house. Your kids will come to expect it and, dare I say, demand it and hold you to it. Biblical values are to be prioritized above and in conjunction with other values that your family holds. I'm just going to give you something here I think is a good idea, a family mission statement. Now, you may want to go as far as writing this out um, and maybe posting it on the walls of your homes. Um, this would be a Deuteronomy 6-9. Write them on the door frames of your house and your gates. That would be a literal translation of that. But it, it would be a cool thing. People that come into your home would know what your family mission is. Your kids would, it would always be before them. Let me give an example from my own home. The Snow family will endeavor to know God, to make him known, and to bring glory to his name in all that we do. This week, make that just a, maybe a couch time. That's what my husband and I always called it when we had kids. We're like, okay, couch time. And just, you know, kick that around. What can we do with that? Can we have a family mission statement, a, a, a thing that we would bring before our children. It could be verbalized, just something your kids know, or it could be something posted. But whatever it is, this family mission statement should be the, a gauge that helps you make decisions to be a Christ-centered family. When considering this, um, determine if where you're going, what you're doing, if they meet the qualifications that are in your family mission statement. And if it won't bring glory to God, then you don't do it. You don't go there. Just that simple, okay? And your kids are going to grow to go, hey, let's, d does this work with our mission statement? It's an awesome thing. You know, and it maybe, you know, if this lets God be known, that's something that we want to incorporate in our family. So I'm going to leave that to you. That's just an idea. It's a good idea. It's that something that we've done in our home. And uh, it can be verbalized, it can be written, whatever it is. Begin with the end in mind. Uh, begin with the end in mind. Right now, I want you to think of one family member in your head, okay? Just any, I don't care which one it is. And I want you to just like physically just think of them, like kind of like look at them in your mind. Describe them to yourself in your mind, okay? And then uh, I want you to think about their personality, and what struggles do they have? What strengths do they have? This is taking spiritual inventory. And where, are, where is this person in their understanding and their relationship with God? And they're going to be at different places. Now, think about what you want your family's life to look like. Where are you going with this? I know we go for we're day by day, and I get that. Sometimes it's just one foot in front of the other. But there has to be a direction. There has to be a goal. Where do I want to take this? Where, what do you want them to value? What do you want them to believe? 
Taking time to think about these questions is going to help you in two ways. First, of course, it's going to give you a spiritual inventory for your family, and you should do that periodically, right? You can't take inventory once in your store. You need to take it quite often. And this will help you as your children develop um, physically, mentally, spiritually, and you can shift and adjust and align uh, what you need to be doing to help your child grow to, as a follower of Christ. And secondly, it gives you some, a goal to work towards. Know who you're leading. A child who's a disciple of Jesus is a child who loves God, loves people, and shares their discipleship journey with others. You love what you know. If you love cars, you probably know a lot about cars, okay? And so what this means for our family is that if you want to go deeper, you want your children to go deeper, we need to be spending time teaching them those things that we want them to love. Um, as leaders in your home, what are you asking God to do for your home? What are you praying for that? What are you asking him to transform? Discipleship begins before conversion. When you call your children to what is true, you're planting seeds. Even though they may not understand all that you're planting. Heartfelt behavior will often outpace full-fledged belief in children. Remember that template I told you about? They're following that. Children can demonstrate sincere prayers and wholehearted obedience before they experience conversion and demonstrate a personal walk with God. It is beneficial to you as a parent to know the ages and stages, and I'm going to give that to you. I think that will be a real helpful guide just to see the benchmarks. And then, of course, you know, they're just guidelines at that point. It's imperative that you strive to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, Jesus Christ, that you can witness the redeeming power and the transformation in your children. God is calling you to lead, and he will be faithful to lead, and he's going to take care of you while you lead. Isaiah 40, 11. He tends the flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms. He carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Jesus is the good shepherd. And he gently leads us and he navigates us. He helps us find our way. And following his example, remember to gently care for your, your child's soul. Reassure your child at any place where they are in their walk with the Lord pre-conversion, conversion, if they are a disciple. Reassure your child that you love them and you love how God is shaping their heart. Teach your children to be kind to themselves. I want you to listen to this song that talks just about that. I can hear it in your voice that if you only had a choice, you would rather be anyone else. 
you just the way that you are I love the way you made your precious heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself I know it's hard to hear it when that anger in your spirit Is pointed like an arrow at your chest When the voices in your mind are anything but kind And you can't believe your father knows best I love you just the way that you are I love the way he's shaping your heart Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself Can't expect to be perfect, it's a fight you gotta forfeit You belong to me, whatever you do So lay down your weapon, darling, take a deep breath And believe that I love you Be kind to yourself Be kind to yourself section here with these words. Jesus gives us a great word picture in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me and I will give you rest. Now a yoke is of course a bar that goes across the shoulder of two oxen and joins them together when they're plowing a field. And the purpose of that yoke is so that the oxen keep in step with each other. It's also used to train a young oxen by pairing them with a more experienced animal. We are to be yoked with Jesus. The one who leads us will teach us to keep in step with him. And as we plow the fields of our children's heart, Jesus will bear the load, and he will keep us close to him. His leadership will direct our journey and our family discipleship. His might will lead us forward. We're going to spend some time in prayer. I want you to be encouraged, parents, but I also want you to know that I'm activating you. God is activating you tonight to be a family that disciples. Thank you, Vonda. Um, that song is powerful. If you need a reminder about how God feels about you, just play that song and consider what he's feeling. Um, as Vonda said, we're going to spend just a little bit of time here before we leave in prayer. So um, we're going to have some prayer prompts actually on the screen. Matt's going to bring those up. 
Um, what I want you to do is a little bit of some vulnerability here at your tables. But I just want you to spend some time praying together um, as a table. So you can use some of these uh, prompts if that's helpful. You don't have to use this, but you can use these maybe to launch yourself into a, a prayer, whether that's um, just that sentence simply, and then you just kind of let it rest there, or you can continue on as the Spirit leads you. But just spend some time uh, at your tables praying over maybe some of the things we you heard, you remember from last week, some of the things that Vonda encouraged you in uh, tonight. Um, we were talking about setting up for uh, what we were going to do in this class, and we wanted to have some intentional time of prayer. As Dan uh, often reminds us, prayer isn't the preparation for the work, it is the work. Um, so if, if discipleship, if biblical family discipleship is what we're aiming for, let's pray about it uh, together. So take the next few minutes. I'll come up and I'll close us here uh, right, right about 7 o'clock. So take some time and pray. All right. All right, it is 7, I think. It might be 7.01, so we're going to come to a close here. Thanks for being here tonight. Um, just a couple announcements before we leave. Before we get there, um, first of all, thank you, Vonda. Where'd she go? Oh, there you are. Vonda, thank you uh, for your challenges tonight. Um, I hope that you picked up. Yeah, we'll clap for you. Uh, thank you for the time you put into to preparing that uh, for us. Um, a lot of things stuck out to me uh, that Vonda walked through tonight. Um, one of them being that one of the greatest benefits, she said, of family discipleship is that through family discipleship, through discipling your kids, you are aligning their lives, you're aligning your life with God's truth, a.k.a. reality, right? So what a, what a better gift to give your kids than equipping them with a worldview that, uh, is, that accurately adheres to the reality of their experience, <laughs> a biblical worldview, um, and then saying they, they will be misunderstood by the world. They will be misunderstood by the world, but they will have a confident uh, context to know what is good and right and true and holy. What a great gift to give to your kids. Um, I thought that was, I thought that was uh, encouraging. I'm um, talking about repurposing ordinary moments. That's really where we're going to be going next week. Um, so again, we've talked a lot of theory, um, just some kind of encouraging principles to keep in front of you. Um, but next week, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about some, um, some practical. How do you repurpose those ordinary moments that you have as a family? Because each family looks a little different. We have different rhythms that we walk through, uh, different experiences that we have. Um, she talked about the glass ceiling, that quote that you read. Um, I don't remember who, who, maybe it was Chap Clark, I think, that had that quote, talking about how you know, a parent is typically the glass ceiling spiritually for their, for their kids. It was a little bit of a moment, but don't freak out, um, okay? Uh, it's not about you having it all figured out. If you haven't heard us say that enough, I'm going to keep saying it every week. It's not about you having it all figured out, but it is, a point, it is about pointing to the one who, who does. Okay, so, if, I mean, your glass ceiling, don't, don't think that you have to reach this spiritual pinnacle um, th so that your, your kids can get there. Yes, we, we have to take responsibility for our faith and our development, um, but our development in our faith and our walk with Christ is figuring out how more and more we can surrender because we don't have it all together, and we can point to the one who does. Um, so let that, let that encourage you. Next week, we'll, again, we'll be talking talk about mission statement tonight. We'll be talking a little bit about that, maybe some values that you can hold on to 
um, as a family. Uh, several resources that she walked through. There's some on the table that were there from last week. She put out a few more. Um, Wendy Chapman had mentioned to me uh, that several of these resources are actually available um, through interlibrary loan. And so you might have seen on your table, she put a couple little card things out there that she prepared this week for you. Um, so if you're not looking to want, if you want to save a little bit of money, not looking to just, you know, up your Amazon bill, um, then uh, you can check this out if you have a library card. Um, basically, the way this works is like a system, and all the libraries are connected and stuff. And so then you can go on and see what's available, and they'll ship it to your library if they don't if they don't already have it. And then you can go get it. If you have questions about that, just go talk to Wendy. She'll make the magic happen, um, and she'll fill that fill you in there. So thank you, Wendy. Can you wave your hand so if they have questions about the library thing? They can come talk to you. Um, I thought that was really nice. She reached out and said that uh, she looked up several of these resources that we've talked about, and they are available. So that's pretty cool. Um, again, next week, talking a little bit more about strategy of what you already have available to you. What are you already doing? Um, not that you can add God in, add discipleship in, uh, but what are, what are we doing that we can start weaving in this idea of impressing the Lord's commandments on your children's hearts? That's where we're going. Will you stand, and let's pray, and then we'll send you out. You can grab your kids. And if you really love your kids, you'll go get them ice cream at Culver's. Just kidding. I won't tell them that I said that. Um, Lord, we come to you because you have it all together. And you are holy and majestic and mighty. And so we praise you for that and we ask for your help. Um, God, as you have uh, given us the responsibility, you have challenged us, you, have, you are equipping us as we go to raise our kids to follow you. Um, we, we acknowledge that. And so, one, that gives us confidence in who you are, uh, that you have, you have set this path out in front of us. As we were reminded this morning, this race that we have been, that's been marked out for us. God, you give us the power to do these things anyways. And so, God, help us to rely on you, uh, to come to you when we need help, um, to, to rely on your strength and your power to do the things, um, to love our kids well, to point them to Jesus. Um, help us to be that picture of Jesus to our kids, to love them well. Um, that they would they would begin to know uh, the the image of you, the image of the Father through a parent's love. Um, that that would be a shadow of a greater love that that they could know and experience. So God, we give you all the praise and glory. We ask for your help this week as we parent intentionally and we disciple our children to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, we'll see you next week at five thirty. Don't be late. It's good. Oh, he come. Oh, thank you. Okay, bye.